Welcome to the brand new Voyage Care podcast. This season, we'll be focusing on how we deliver person-centred care to the people we support. For this episode, we'll be hearing from Jen and Christina, who are transition managers. They'll be discussing what person-centred care means to them, as well as sharing some of their favourite person-centred care stories. Hello and welcome to the Voyage Care podcast. My name's Jen. Um, I'm transitions manager for Voyage Care and I work in the uh, South West region of Voyage Care and today I'm joined by Christina. Thank you Jen. Hi everyone. Um, My name is Christina Thomas and I'm also a transition manager. Uh, The very unique um, roles within Voyage Care um, and I also work in the South West. And today we're going to talk about person-centred care. Um, So Christina, what, what does person centered care mean to you? I think Jen is it's, um, it's, it's really interested in terms of person centered care. And I think there's many sort of different interpretations of how people can sort of, you know, sort of how that sort of impl- works within the health and social care sector. So for I think for me in particular, um, you have to treat people with the dignity, compassion and respect maybe because the person is a service user and they're entering care it doesn't mean that that needs to be removed you know that person-centered principles and the approach can enable people to remain that dignity i think what voyage care can offer in terms of the person-centered care principles is the sort of coordinated care and support and treatment that, that we provide from support workers, from sort of home managers, branch managers, ourselves, transition managers and the operation, all the sort of team embedded with within that. It certainly is about personalised care and support. And I'm sure later on in the podcast, Jen, you and I can give uh, our examples from, you know, the support to living provision to the sort of residential provision as well. But to summarise that, I think it's to enable service users to recognise and to develop the sort of skills and abilities. And, you know, we can sort of certainly assist them to empower them to do that. What do you think, Jen? Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I think it's about, I think for me, person-centred care is about, it's about not making assumptions and thinking outside the box. And it's about working with the individual and us not, making assumptions about what their care looks like or what their aspirations are or what they want to achieve or or what they want their home to be like it's about really drilling down with the individual and the people around that person who know them best to really find out what's personal to to them what their Mm. likes are what their dislikes are what their needs are what their aspirations are and just being really open-minded um, and involving them in that process as much as possible in in a way that yeah in a way that they can engage in that and I think with the one of the things that um, I really like about our job roles and working for Voyage Care is that we can be so instrumental in that process mm-hmm. and it's one of the things that I love about my job in terms of sometimes you know we're the first people in voyage care to kind of meet that individual and Mm. especially when we're thinking about supported living services for us to be able to spend time with someone to really really understand them and what they want and what they need and then be able to kind of take that that knowledge and that information and use that as a foundation to to develop um, especially in supported living if we're in a position where we can develop a new bespoke service for someone is amazing and it, it mm. it's such a privilege to be part of that as well and to to have somebody that can 
choose you know where do they want to live how how do they want their environment decorated you know to be involved in recruitment what type of Mm. person do they like to be supported by how do they like to be supported you know I think very often when you see a, um, a traditional assessment form it very much talks about deficits in someone or about what they can't do as well or it will talk about someone needs support with washing for example but for us to be able to say well how does someone like to be support with washing what shower gel do they like you know yeah. how, <laughs> yeah, how sure. do they like their hair washed what mm. what for the people that we support that are more independent well what hairdressers do they go to or barbers yeah. do they go to um how do they like their nails done you know it's all of these things that I think it's really easy to 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 get missed out sometimes. Yeah. So, so person-centred yeah. care, it, you know, it's a real holistic approach to that person, understanding them. I absolutely agree, Jen. I think I just want to sort of echo everything that you've said there. It's interesting. One example, we've recently got an admission and um, going into one of the homes in Somerset and he, he, his love for Arsenal, the football team, so, you know, the decorators are out there already, personalised room with a bright red wall, <laughs> you know, but that's what he wants. That's what he's, he's chosen to do. So, yeah, it is. You're absolutely right. And one of the key sort of fundamental words that you mentioned there, I think, is about the holistic from the little things. That's very important to that person, as you say, that, that can get missed. And, and and I think it's also thinking about the compatibility as well, even though that person is moving into that environment it, it's it's our key job isn't it Jen to make sure that other people who they're going to possibly be sharing with has the same interests has the same hobbies you know sometimes you know the the age range works really well um, for them to be involved in in that sort of criteria and assessment uh, compatibility process and um, we've got some really success stories in in our areas where that works extremely well but if I can just move over to just onto the sort of residential side um Typically, there might be a get gets a little bit more difficult where you've really got to sort of Im- how do you embed the person centre care because a lot of the people within the residential setting tend to not have the capacity. So you know, it's about how do we ensure that uh, we can I- I embed those principles within that residential centre. So it's about working in a multi-agency approach, certainly working with appointees, local authorities, best interest meetings that we're involved in as well, just to ensure um, very detailed, very thorough transition meetings for those individuals. So there is, uh, I feel, there's a slight difference, which, you know, gives us such interest and some can be more challenging than others, but you've really got to be extremely creative as well, I think, and very open minded, you know, just because we're working with a, a service user, an individual that does not have the capacity. It's not down to us or other people to sort of necessarily be thinking that, you know, the decisions we make are the best decisions for them. Do you agree, Jen? Yeah, no, 100% agree. A gentleman moved recently to us at well before Christmas um to us and it was right in the middle of the pandemic right in the middle of Covid and we received this referral that came through and this individual in the information that was provided was 
you, it read as a very high risk individual in terms of behaviours to other people. He had autism, some level of communication. There were some behaviours there, but very much the picture that was painted of this individual was very much that he was um, a high risk individual in terms of the impact he'd have on other people. And I think for us, in our job roles, we do have time to kind of invest in referrals that come through and kind of really dig into them. So I very much I was like, okay, so this this is what you know, this is the information that came through on paper, but kind of went on a process to really find to understand more. Why was this person behaving in this mm. way? Was it that this is how the person is, or was there other things that were contributing to that? You know, and working in COVID has changed things. So we had to do lots of teams assessments Mm -hmm. rather than doing face-to-face assessments. And I remember in one of the first teams meetings that I had with him and his current providers, he, he really liked trains and taking photos and books. And we just spent much of the time just talking about those things. But you can find out a lot about somebody just having very open conversations. You know, you can find a lot about about their support needs and their likes and their dislikes around that. So even in the middle of COVID and even in a residential setting, we could still really gather that information. Mm. And, and we weren't just taking it that just because his current provider said he was this way, you know, we weren't willing to take that and we wanted to find out from him and and we were able to do a, a transition process the best we could through that and he's moved into one of our residential homes and he's amazing all mm. these behaviors that we were told yeah <laughs> um, they just weren't there and I and I just think yeah he what can I say he you know the staff team really invested in 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 him and getting to know him uh, and really engaging his family in that process as well about his likes and dislikes and and really kind of understanding his personal communication style so we were told that he used um a certain uh, amount of makatona and things like that but we really yeah, it was really about finding out what he individually needed uh, and, and the home that he's gone into. It is a residential home and there is a certain amount of structure there that comes with residential home. But equally, he has his own communication timetable and passport that's specific for him. You know, it's not a generic one that's that everyone in yeah, the home uses. Yeah, more timetables are for him. He has his food prepared. He likes to be involved in things. So he has his food prepared and he's involved in that in the way that he likes to be when he likes to. Whereas I think he very much came from an environment where it was like, this is lunchtime. Everyone has lunch together at this time. So I think us being able to take a person-centred approach, A, to the assessment process, Mm -hmm. B, to the transition and C, just his placement. We've had no behaviors that challenge we've had that we've had no incidents and um it's been it's been a real success and he likes in his room he loves taking photos he goes out for walks with the staff all the time and he's always taking photos and one of his favorite things mm-hmm. he comes back and he prints up all these photos and they're all around his room everywhere and oh, it's lovely you go i think one of my joys is to go when you first do an assessment with someone and um, you know we can work in in the way that that we do in that person-centered way and then you go back because we we do our um reviews don't we six six about yeah. six after someone's Mm -hmm. place and to have a review with somebody and just to see like oh yeah the change in them it's amazing it's kind of what what yeah it's why why we do our jobs I think yeah absolutely Jen it's so empowering isn't it and and rewarding as well I think the reviews for me 
um, because more often not, maybe we haven't engaged with the manager from, from the time of a mission to then. So I always get excited to sort of hear all the success stories. I've got one in particular I really think would be really good to share. And this was in the hub of COVID. And this was actually an out-of-county referral. Uh, it was safeguarding were involved with the with this lady's sort of former provider so in short really she she was a young lady she didn't have the capacity she had a learning disability and she just became stuck in her bed for over a year there was no particular health reasons or conditions the room that she was in in a former home it was a first floor room they didn't have a lift so yeah she it certainly wasn't meeting her well-being needs as you can imagine but can you imagine being just stuck in a bed for a year and you know I'm sure the, the staff at their home tried their best to sort of encourage her to 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 move but obviously the local authority was um due to the sort of safeguarding and and not meeting her well-being sort of spoke to me and asked if there if there was um a residential home that could certainly support her with her sort of well-being and the outcomes for us to achieve was you know, within a certain period of time to help us become much more mobile. So I located this fantastic home. It had double patio doors leading straight out to the garden. It was a ground floor. It was a so, such a spacious room. Um, it was actually, like I said, it was out of county, but it wasn't too far from the border. We had step-by-step transition meetings with everyone in, involved. But what I'm going to do, because I could talk all day <laughs> about it, it, it's really, it is really one of the sort of most endearing um, transitions I've been in in terms of the outcomes. So um, the lady successfully moved into this room. Um, the whole staff were involved in the transition. So it, it involved the deputy, involved the seniors. We identified a core staff for this lady for, for, for the transition and for when she settles in. Certainly during the first six-week review, the outcomes that were achieved were incredible. Um, she was actually coming out of bed. She was having um, manicures, pedicures. She was making her way with a walking frame because obviously I think the main concern is that maybe some of her limbs had seized and she was smiling at the staff and that was just in six weeks uh, and I think it's quite clear Jen as well in terms of that transition is crucial and the assessment and getting everybody involved and being realistic as well you know it was it was quite a challenge in a sense where she nobody knew the reason why she remained in a bed to her own choice but she wouldn't move out of her bed and she's just flourishing she's absolutely flourishing and even though our sort of role moves on after that sort of review i still keep in touch with the home and i always ask about her um always puts a smile on my face it really does it's definitely one of the most endearing ones i've i've, I've worked with one of my favorite ones is when i it's when i first started actually um, one of my first projects that I was kind of tasked with was this uh, new supported living home that we were looking to set up in the Wiltshire area. And it was bringing three young individuals together. And when, when we're working with younger individuals with learning disabilities, the families are very much involved with that process as well. And it yeah, it was. I mean, it was a long process. It was a brand new home that we were setting up from scratch, and we went through a matching process as well. So we were 
you know, we, we would kind of bring individuals together. We arranged afternoon teas out. I remember meeting in garden centres for coffee and cake to kind of first meet, um, introduce the, the people we support together. I remember meeting in the evenings um, so the families could come together. You know, it's quite a long process. I remember one of the young guys lived probably about 40 minutes away from where the house was and they weren't able to travel so once a week I used to pick him up on on my on my way through and take him over to Trowbridge area where he could spend the day with his new housemates and and then drop him back afterwards and in terms of being person-centered it's about yeah we we will do what we need to do yeah good reasons but we will do what we need to do to try and make something work really and we you know we're then in a position where from our assessments we can do we can go well this is the support that we think these individuals Mm. need rather than someone having to kind of fit in with a structure that's already there and we can be creative with with what the support needs to look like as well but it's also one thing for me through that process was about about positive risk-taking and about being really open-minded with the matching process as well, because the, the the first match was two young males who um, were similar ages. They had different diagnoses, but similar support needs. And we were very much focused on finding another young male to, to match in with them. That was kind of what the social workers thought was the right thing and the families. And we were kind of going through that process and reviewing referrals. And I had a referral that came through for a young female. And yeah, it's just about looking at the situation with open eyes. And we, we met the young female and did an assessment on her. And her support needs were different to the two. She was more able than the two younger guys. She was slightly bit, a couple of years older. She was slightly more able. She was obviously female and we were looking for a male. And, and I remember floating the idea to the families and to those that are currently involved and I think you know at first there was a little bit of hesitation around it but we you know we we, we kind of continued to the next step just to have the individuals together to see how they got on and it worked amazingly as soon as they we, we met for coffee you could just see that they just kind of really got on and I think for her she very much liked football and things like that anyway but it very much brought out um, kind of the caring side of her and I think in previous placements she'd struggled with dynamics with other females and and that was her challenge and I think so for her being with males kind of took that away but it also brought out this just lovely caring side to her and this must have been about three three and a half years ago now and I still check in and they're mm. still all living there together they're all doing really well they're all engaged in community activities and sports activities and they have meals together and and it's fantastic like it's so lovely and yeah and just I think for the families as well such a weight off their mind I think when they're looking for homes for their for their if they're either leaving home or going from an educational unit into kind of um, the next step I think for the families it's quite a stressful process as well Mm. Yeah, that positive risk taken just because someone's not Mm. done something before doesn't mean to say they can't do something in the future as well and supporting individuals to take those positive risks yeah I I think that's a great story Jen as well you just shared and what what it did remind me is 
life before COVID, you was talking about going to meet Jane, <laughs> going for coffee in the car. And I was like, oh, gosh, what does that feel like anymore? Um, but that 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 does bring me on to the uh, point, you know, just working the last year, our whole working practice has changed, Jen, isn't it? And I think everybody initially just panicked and thinking, well, what do we do now? But I, I, coming out the other side, she says, and she will, you know, things are opening up, things are easing up slowly, albeit slowly. But looking back at that year, I think what it's allowed us to do, Jen, is really to work so much more creatively, work differently. You know, we, there's technology tools that we've had to sort of tap into. And I have to be honest, I've quite enjoyed it. It's allowed me to be very productive. I can have working from home because um, we haven't been able to go out so much, especially in the hub of COVID. You know, we, we were able to do, do so many sort of virtual meetings and things. Um, but I do, I certainly do miss going out. And it is, that's that's something that's picking back up again for me. But yeah, when you touched on that, I was like, gosh, that seems, that seems another world away. <laughs> it really does. So, Jen, it's been lovely chatting and um, um, I think it's time for us to bring the podcast to an end. Jen, thank you so much for sharing those examples. It's been really, really, really great. And your experiences as well. Um, and, you know, that person centred approach, you, you could just hear and feel your passion with it as well. It, it really is. So, yes, thank you for listening. If you'd like uh, to uh, learn more, please visit our website. Get in touch with the referral line and they can signpost you to the right uh, contact to, or to the right team. So, um, yeah, thank you. If you'd like to learn more about our exceptional person-centred care, please visit our website, voyagecare.com. Stay tuned for another episode of our podcast next week.